Hello and welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show, where we inspire you to live a longer, healthier, happy, and more joyful life. We cover everything you need to know to be optimally healthy in your mind, body, and spirit. Are you ready to become the ultimate version of yourself? Well, let's dive into another episode with your host and guide by your side, Allie West. Welcome to episode number 84 of the Kinetic Fitness Show podcast. My name is Ali West. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. If you are a brand new listener, this is your first time listening to the show, then welcome. And if you are a returning listener or even a regular listener, then welcome back. Always grateful to have you listening in and supporting this podcast. If you are new, this podcast is all about helping you to become optimally healthy. That means we look at health from a very holistic standpoint we cover mind body and spirit and help you to really live a longer healthier happier and more joyful life i have an amazing guest lined up for you today and we go deep on the spiritual nature of well-being but before i introduce her and before i tell you a little bit about her there's a few things that i would love for you to do for me the first one is to subscribe to this podcast please do so hit that subscribe button and then you'll be updated with any new episodes that are released secondly please leave me a review. Reviews are massive. They help me to grow. They help me to inspire and reach more people. So do drop me a review. I love reading them. And as I said, they really, really do help me to grow this podcast and ultimately help more people. Thirdly, share this podcast. If you're enjoying it, if you're enjoying this episode or you enjoy the show, then do share it with your friends, family, colleagues, and loved ones. Just hit that share button or Take a screenshot, post it to your social media and tag me in it, Ali West Coach. You'll find me on all social media, Ali West Coach, A-L-I-W-E-S-T, Coach, spelled like Coach. And I will share it with my followers as well. So let's spread the message and spread this podcast to as many people as possible. The final thing to mention really is our 12-week online coaching program. So we are about to launch another round of online coaching with this coaching it is really aimed at people who are looking to lose body fat get in shape and ultimately take control of the health so this 12-week program encompasses everything you need to get you from where you are now to where you want to be so we spend a lot of time working on mindset nutrition and exercise this is all underpinned by coaching and ongoing support and accountability and all delivered online so it doesn't matter where you are in the world we can help you it's a combination of working through an app, an online portal, and in-person Zoom coaching for accountability and support. So if this sounds like something that you're interested in that would help you, then the best option is to hit the link in the description of this podcast to book a call with either myself or my wife, Sarah. Book a call with us, fill out the little application form, and we will jump on a call with you and just ask you more questions about your goals, what you want to work on and see if you are a good fit for the program and if ultimately we are a good fit for each other. Really, really simple to do. Hit that link, book a call and we'd love to help you and love to have you on board inside our coaching program. Okay, let's move on to today's episode because I'm excited to share this episode with you, which I recorded just a few weeks ago and my guest today is Tara Bianca and I'm going to be honest from the from the start this was a a very very interesting and deep episode for me i really felt a lot of emotion come through on this 
podcast episode and there was a point where I almost felt like I was going to cry during this podcast episode and you might pick up on that during the the show during listening to this episode but I think this all boils down to Tara's skills and Tara's abilities as an individual so let me tell you a little bit about Tara and then we'll get stuck into this episode so Tara uh, is a love activist, spiritual luminary, speaker and leader in transformation. She's also penned a few books as well, so she's an author as well. Her mission is to awaken love into the world as well as to inspire humanity to awaken and ascend to the power of love, joy, peace and equality and to come home to the deepest, most divine truth of their beingness. She is a friend to humankind. Tara combines over 20 years of research, teaching, speaking and private coaching experience with expertise in healing the mind, body and soul to help people revolutionize their life for success. Her multidisciplinary approach guides people through quantum shifts to access their ability to create a life from an entirely different level of consciousness. She inspires them to be a source of inspiration for others in the world and to awaken their divine heart to embody presence and unconditional love. Tara is known for a compassion, unconditionally loving heart. She knows the divinity of each person she encounters. Tara frees them up to explore life as they choose for themselves while she invites them to choose to experience their own divine beauty. Tara's clients have included pro athletes, professionals, entrepreneurs, creatives, couples, expecting parents, children and Academy Award nominated actors. She writes and teaches about love, transformation, spirituality, consciousness, tantra, stress management, health and wellness, biohacking, neurohacking, nutrition, relationships, parenting, and pregnancy. And Tara currently resides in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So that's all about Tara. She's gonna tell you much more. She goes into a little bit more detail on her story and her upbringing. And we cover many, many different areas in in just a short space of time. I think this podcast is just over an hour and we go into so many different areas and different topics. So we talk about spirituality, we talk about love, we talk about God, we talk about ancestral trauma, we talk about how you can really get into ascension, into your divine spirit and live the best life possible. We talk about many, many different things. So I know this is gonna be a powerful episode i know you're going to enjoy it and particularly if you are into the spiritual element of well-being this is going to be huge for you and you're going to get so much from it but everyone will take something away from this and i took a lot away from it just speaking to tara in the brief time that i spent with her so i hope you enjoy this episode this is episode number 84 with tara bianca let's do it Hey Tara, thank you for joining me on the Kinetic Fitness Show podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks so much for taking your time out to speak to me. I'm really excited about picking your brain and diving into your wisdom and expertise on this uh, episode. I love having conversations with people about uh, interesting topics and, and uh, expanding people's consciousness and giving them awesome tools to you know, better their life and to live an amazing adventure in their life as well. I love that. And that's hopefully what we'll do with this, uh, with this episode. But before we get stuck into maybe the meat and potatoes, you could say, could you just give the uh, listeners a little bit of a, a story about you, who you are, what, where you are in the world, how you help people and, and what you've done over the last few years. And we'll just go from there. 
great. Yeah, so I, have, I was born in Canada. I currently live in Vancouver in beautiful British Columbia. And I live, actually I'm situated between the ocean and a mountain. And so I have the best of both worlds. And it's a beautiful place in the world to cultivate my consciousness and to uh, live an amazing life that is filled with joy and, and uh, beautiful people and, and beautiful nature and everything else. And uh, my life started um, really not from a, the place of, of, of uh, joy that I would have liked. I had a really kind of rough upbringing. My parents were both emotionally unavailable. Uh, my dad was in the military. He was a very hard man. Um, he considered my sisters and I soldiers in the family. And so he treated us quite harshly. And my mother was emotionally unavailable too. She had a really rough upbringing. Her ancestors struggled considerably. They lived in the middle of nowhere with nothing. And um, it was a really hard way of, of living. And just like a lot of our ancestors. And so there was a lot of emotional and ancestral karma and baggage that came along with both my parents. And, and so it was a, it was a, not an easy way to grow up. And, and when I was about six and a half years old, I had these huge questions about life, God, existence, why we're here and everything else. And I knew I couldn't even ask my parents these questions that they would absolutely not be able to answer them. And so I thought, well, maybe their friends could answer them or the local priest could answer these questions. And when I started to ask these questions of other adults, they actually laughed at me and, and I think they felt really uncomfortable because they didn't have these answers and um, they kind of pushed me away and they felt uncomfortable when I would bring these topics up. So I just stopped asking and I felt really alone. Like, you know, I had no one to talk to, not one person in the world. And so I thought, you know what, if God exists, I'm going to ask God for help and I'm going to ask God to answer these questions. And if God exists, God will definitely answer these questions. And so I, I turned to the divine and I had a little bit of um, religious upbringing through the Catholic church at that time, but uh, I didn't have any type of spiritual understanding in, in any way, just some things that I've been taught, but also this really, um, I, I would say this inspirational uh, quest within myself. And that was a real driving force in my life. It always has been, it's, it's been maintained. It's so huge. It's like this big fire within me of, of uh, needing to, to know, to experience truth. And so I turned my attention to the divine and the divine started to teach me. And I think it's, you know, from the innocence of a young child, just assuming that if God exists, God's gonna teach me and God did. And so I started to get these beautiful, profound teachings um, that were that really opened my consciousness at a very young age and the very first time that not only was i getting these teachings but the very first time god came and visited me was when i was eight and a half years old and in that experience i was given a seed teaching that has been with me my whole life and continues even though it was just one sentence that god said to me it continues to inform me and teach me and mentor me in life and expand my consciousness in profound ways and assist me to be able to open people to truth. And so I was, you know, going up in, in, into my teens and I started to open very empathically and very psychically. And it got me into a lot of trouble. Um, I went through a lot of suffering because I was so open to what 
people were experiencing, especially their suffering and their darkness and all the things they were hiding. And so I was given um, a lot of information about people who were being abused. So I knew who among my friends were being abused and how they were being abused. And it was really hard as a young person to have access to that information and the, the level of suffering that people were experiencing. And then of course, I also was ex, ex, you know, accessing um, the dark stuff of adults too. And to, for a child to access that level of darkness um, is really, really hard. And to never be able to speak to anybody about it because I, I didn't want anybody to know I, I had these abilities because when I started to reveal that I knew secrets about people, they would shut down. They wouldn't want to be around me because they, they were like, who told you that? How do you know this? And uh, it would be really uh, challenging for them. And then of course, challenging for me. And so as I got a bit older into my teens, about uh, 19 years old, I nearly died because I was so open empathically, not just to my own community and, and the people around me, but also to the world. And it was so overwhelming to access that level of suffering that was happening everywhere in the world. And at the time, um, I was the, the biggest challenge for me was the Bosnian War. And there were women who were being raped and men who were being murdered. Of course, they were just, you know, genocidal terror was happening um, at that time. And I spent about two weeks on my floor wailing and not able to function, not wanting to live. And I was really angry with God. And I was, you know, asking God, why are you allowing this level of suffering in the world? And Tiananmen Square had just happened as well. And so there was this incredible sadness that I was accessing, suffering that I was accessing. And then all, you know, I felt this kind of mm, judgment and anger toward the divine. And God came in and said to me, I'm not doing this. I give everybody free will. Uh, I cannot interfere unless I am asked to come in and help. And I, because I was so overwhelmed with grief and suffering, and I absolutely didn't want to live, God came in and taught me how to stay in my power and not allow that level of suffering to destroy me and how to be in a place of peace and unconditional love for the world. And so I thought was at 19 years old. And so then I went forward from that point from a place of I could, you know, be in the power of myself and be, be a witness to people suffering, but not allow it to you know, pull me in any direction. And then I was very fortunate about four years later, I went into unity consciousness. And when I went into unity consciousness, I had a greater understanding uh, more of suffering, but also of our connection with each other and how one person's suffering is our, is my suffering and um, one person's joy is my joy. And my, um, my divinity is everyone else's divinity. And so it was a profound teaching, but it, it actually ended after about, I should say ended, I gave up that state of consciousness after about two months um, out of an act of, of compassion for someone in my life who was really struggling and suffering. And my level of enlightenment was actually bringing up so much fear of rejection within them that I actually gave it up to make them more comfortable. It was in a kind of codependent spiritual relationship. And I, I, I went down into hell for about a year and a half and uh, of my, my own doing. But at the same time, I thought God was absolutely rejecting me. I was so caught up in the state that this other person was in, I kind of joined them in that place. And it was a, 
it was a, an amazing learning experience and it took me about 10 years to spiral back up out of that state of hell that I had allowed myself to go into. And it taught me how uh, it doesn't serve that person, it doesn't serve me, it doesn't serve the world for, for me to go into someone else's suffering. I'd, I'd done a lot of that when I was in my teens and it was, it was a hard lesson and a remembrance of no, this is not the way to go. And so since then, I've been expanding my consciousness, going into not only unity consciousness again, but into God consciousness, Christ consciousness, the Holy Mother consciousness, and um, also the consciousness of, the, of what's called the flower of, the, of heaven. And so it's been an incredible journey. And all along that, I've also been biohacking since I was about 19 years old, long before biohacking was, was a thing. And I started to teach people how to heal their bodies and how to heal their minds, um, really their brains. And, um, and then as I was doing that, I started to notice people were very sick, even though they had really amazing nutrition and they were working out. And I started to be able to see that somebody might have a liver issue because they had an emotional conflict of rage against their, their parent or they had um, ovarian cancer because they had been raped when they were 16 years old and that no amount of food or nutrition, proper nutrition or exercise was going to cure people of these deep emotional conflicts. And so I just was resolved within myself that I was going to move from coaching people just on food and, and, and exercise and move into uh, addressing the emotional conflicts and the, and the conflicts in the mind. And then that was my next stage. I then started working with the mind in a way that I, I didn't even know what was going to happen. But I did, you know, some basic psychology things. I learned hypnosis and everything else. And then the divine started to teach me that at the very root of these um, emotional conflicts were lies. And I was guided in how to seek these lies out and illuminate truth into the consciousness of a person. And then in illuminating truth, the lies just disappear. It's, it's, it's hard to describe what happens energetically, or I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like they just fade away, like just, and they're gone permanently. And I almost wanna say it's like the, the light eats them, but it's not anything violent. It's, it's that they just can't exist in the same, same space. It's like darkness trying to exist when there's like full light in a room. It's impossible. And so when you go to the root of these lies and you release them, then you free yourself to be able to achieve incredible success in your life, whether it's spiritually or with your career or in relationships or even just simply feeling peaceful and joyful and equanimous within yourself amazing what a journey epic journey epic journey yes and there's and so much there's so much to unpack and and talk about there because you mentioned a lot of things but the starting point i'm going to ask you is you had this contact with god and this spiritual i guess maybe enlightenment at such a young age what I'm interested in, start off with, and I know a lot of the listeners will be interested in, is, is how did how did God come to you? What was the was it was it auditory? Was it visually? Was it a whole kinesthetic? Was it everything? How how did that first interaction and that first happening actually happen? How did it manifest? Well, I think the very first experience that I recall was the 
questions. And I, I feel like God planted those questions. Like, and then when I, when I wanted to know the answers to the questions, and this is really key for anybody. So this is a great question you're asking. The, the best way to grow spiritually, the best way to have success in your life is to get curious. It's one of the core teachings that God has taught me is when you ask a question in an affirmative way, the answer will come to you. So for example, if somebody says, I want to um, let go of my anger, that is so enslaving, that, that type of statement. But if you change it and you, and you say, why is it so joyful to be peaceful? Why is it so empowering to feel joyful? You are already, the question's already taking you into a different state of consciousness. But you don't answer the question. You let the universe answer the question. You just ask the question in that joyful way because you're like, when you, when you make the question, you're, you can't be anything but in the state of what you're asking. And that's why if you say, well, I wanna let go of anger, or even why is it so easy to let go of anger? All your mind is hearing is the anger part. Mm. It's not hearing the, what it is you envision. And so if you can change it and always be affirmative when you ask a question. And so this is what, what I started with was God put these questions inside of me, I believe. Or I, I don't know what, what happened, but I can just assume. I mean, I don't know where these questions came from. And so when I asked these questions and when I assumed that the divine would answer them, then all of a sudden I started to receive these teachings um, primarily at night. When I go to bed at night, I receive what was some people call downloads. Mm -hmm. So I receive information and I wake up the next morning and my consciousness would be expanded. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I'd be aware of the content, but mostly I would be aware of the energy. So all of a sudden an energy would come in Sometimes I'd wake up and I'd be in like mudra, body mudra positions or hand mudra positions. So somehow the energy was also flowing through my body to, to make my hands and body go in positions. So it was a, a body situation as well, as well as energy and information, but not, it didn't, it's not like it touched the mind. See, the mind is a tricky thing. A lot of people associate themselves with the mind. The mind is seriously just a servant. And it is not you. It's never been you. Not, not, not in the way people think it is. It is you in a very profound way, but, but that's, that's for another, that's another talk <laughs> altogether. Yeah. Um, but the mind is, is truly there as a servant and it receives information and it accesses, re-accesses that information. And so the mind can, can serve you in very uh, detrimental ways if you don't guide it. And it can, it can serve you in very powerful ways if you know how to harness it. And so in this case with, with the divine, the teachings didn't come on the level of the mind where I had like content. I can go, oh, I can go teach this information. It actually, there was just a, like a transformational process that was happening. And the wisdom that was coming in was embodied wisdom, not information now there's a lot so, of uh, sorry to interrupt you so almost like a state of being rather than uh, the thoughts and the doing it's just you're just being in that that element in that in that uh, in that zone you could say through the things that are coming to you or, or are happening to you correct correct 
And so these states would bring me into a place of peace, Mm -hmm. which if you're in a state of peace, what do you need to know about? Um, I remember I had a spiritual master that I used to, to sit with and I would have all these questions before I'd go in to sit in meditation with him. And I'd go in and he'd say, do you have any questions? And I'm like, no, like just pure peace. And in that place of peace, the mind has no questions. What, what questions are needed when you are in absolute, pure, expanded state of peace? Nothing's needed in any way. You're just so fulfilled. And so this is what would happen. The divine would come in and fill me with these states of grace in the middle of the night. And then in the morning, I would, be, I would feel different. And then when I turned eight and a half, I had my first like mind level teaching. And, and that was a big surprise. So the divine came in in a dream. And at first I didn't know what was going on. I was playing hide and seek, but I didn't know with who. And I was in this one bedroom and there was like one lamp in the corner and then a bed and then a closet and a door. And so I knew I was playing hide and seek and I was looking for someone. And so I looked in the closet, it was very dark in there, didn't see anyone, didn't find anyone. And I looked under the bed, it was very dark under there too. And then the divine came in and uh, with just one, one sentence, just the voice of God came in so strong and it was a masculine voice and said, you will not find me in the darkness. And then I woke up and my consciousness was expanded like I've never experienced before. And I had a sense of like a little crumb of what that meant. And to a little girl of eight and a half years old, I was, I was like, okay, well, I'll just align myself with the light. And that was the starting point of that teaching. And that teaching started to blossom like, like a lotus flower. So it was just the beginning of the blossoming. And every decade that lotus flower would blossom more and the, and the wisdom would be revealed from that beautiful teaching. And it wasn't until probably, I think it was four years ago now, or maybe three years ago, that when I went into unity consciousness, that a huge amount of that, uh, seed dream was revealed to me and uh and i and i i was i felt so blessed and i know i i absolutely know that there's more to be revealed i, I don't think it's done in any you know capacity i, I believe that'll just continue to, to to occur but after that after that that experience when i was eight and a half years old what happened is i started to then um the divine started to send me different teachers every night and so i would have these beautiful non-physical teachers come in when I was uh, going to sleep at night and they would teach me a very, I would, all I could say it was different flavors of consciousness. Mm. And so I was taken into these profound states and I can't say it was every night, but it was like pretty frequent. Um, there were times where I was really tired from receiving so much that I, I would need to rest. And then simultaneously, I was experiencing something else that was was very challenging. So I was experiencing these teachings from heaven, and I was like in heaven receiving these things. But at the same time, I was in a type of hell because remember, I was experiencing empathically the suffering of the world. So I was experiencing that, and at the same time, I would have these dark entities that would come um, at night as well, and at different times, and they would. Um, play these kind of practical jokes on me to scare me. 
And as a little girl or a teenager, I, I was really deeply affected. And I knew I couldn't tell anybody because I, I thought they would medicate me or lock me up. And this was like, you know, I'm 46. So this was a long time ago, pre-internet. I was in a small town, no bookstore, nothing. There was nothing about spirituality. I wouldn't even know where to start to, to learn about this stuff. And I was experiencing them absolutely alone. And it wasn't until 10 years after I was started experiencing these entities, because my third eye was open so strongly at night, that um, I came across a man who, who guided me and mentored me, who was experiencing incredible anxiety and uh, depression from these visitations that were so dark. Uh, I didn't know what to do with them. And I felt called to go to this um, center where they had alternative practitioners like acupuncture and doctors of Chinese medicine. And that was all very new at that time too. It's not like you could go to a clinic down the street like you could go today. And uh, this man was the director and he interviewed everyone who came in. And when I went in, he's like, so tell me Tara, what really is going on? And I started to tell him about my symptoms and he's like, no, I wanna know what's really going on. And when I told him, he kind of laughed, but not in a mean way. He just, he was like, he's like, my dear, you're going through a spiritual awakening. And he's like, these entities can't harm you. They just can make you think they can harm you. And what's really fascinating for any of the listeners out there, this is very similar to anxiety and fear. Fear can only make you think that you can be harmed. Anxiety can, can, is, is there because the fear is there trying to convince you that you'll be rejected or fear that you'll, you'll fail or fear of anything else. And these entities that came to visit me were very much like fear of rejection, fear, fear of annihilation. And, um, and so what I can say to, to anyone who's listening is, is these fears cannot harm you. They can only convince you that you can be harmed. And so in doing so, you give your power away to them. And so if even this example of these entities uh, visiting me can help people to have like a more of a visual of, of how this can be and, and they can use it to, to say no to these fears that arise. What happened is after I met with this man and I realized that they couldn't harm me, I actually created a, a state of consciousness called freedom from influence. And I realized that, um, that I could be free of the influence of these entities. Now, I didn't know how to stop them from coming, but when they came, I was in a place of peace. Uh, except for every once in a while, I get annoyed because they would disturb my sleep. And so I was, ha I was having like, like nights where I just wasn't getting enough sleep because they were waking me up in the middle of the night. And so 10 years, in addition to the first 10 years, so this is like 20 years in the making, finally at the end of the 10 years, and this is an, another powerful teaching for, for anyone who's listening, I finally sat up one night these two entities had come in and they were joking around and keeping me awake. And I, the, the other reason that just so you guys know that why they were coming is because I, not very many people can see them. And so because I could see them, it, it brought joy to them that I could, I would could witness them and then also help them in a, in a lot of ways because I was, you know, vibrating and shining this incredible light. They were trying to steal some of your, uh, your energy possibly. Uh, they were trying to steal the energy. Yeah. And so what uh, this man also taught me was that I could actually send them to the divine. And so I started doing that practice. So they started to come to me so that I could help them go into the light. And um, so anyway, what, on this one particular night, these two entities show up and I'm like, that's it. Like, I'm done with this. And so I just, when I made that very strong decision, 
all of a sudden the voice of Christ came through my, my body and my mouth and made a very strong statement. And those entities were gone like that. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, is that all that I needed to yeah, say? And this is, this is uh, what I want to point out to the people listening as well is that this is how powerful we are as, as human beings as a, and as, as divine conscious beings where this is the strength that we have. We can literally tell those entities to leave. And I'd say from my experience and from yours, they, 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 they'll do as they're told. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Because they have no sovereignty over us in any way. And so when, when this happened, I, my husband at the time was sleeping in the bed beside me and he like, sat up and he's like what the hell was that and I'm like just the voice of Christ go back to sleep it's all good <laughs> and since then I've never had entities even you know bother me or disturb me if they do come around other people I do a lot of work in clearing entities for other people um, and teaching them how to clear them for themselves and I've had to I go to to like places uh, people's homes or even I've gone to places in rural areas where, where they have like the land is cursed or something like that. And I've gone in and helped people clear, clear things in that way. Um, with one exception, there was one time I, I couldn't clear something. And I was like, very curious. I'm like, why can't I clear this? And I learned two weeks later that this land had been cursed by a very powerful shaman, way power, more powerful than I was. And it was a curse to ensure reconciliation. And so I couldn't undo what was going on because it required uh, a ceremony of reconciliation between the man who had basically uh, set the um, set a, a series of events uh, forward to have a group of indigenous people slaughtered on this land. And so until he made reconciliation in whatever lifetime he came into, then that land had to remain under that type of protection. And it just happened to be a friend of mine who was living on the land. And uh, when he received the message that he, he could not sell the land, he could not sleep on the land, he could not use the land until, until this was reconciled, uh, he, made, he basically went to the local people, indigenous peoples there, and invited them to do ceremony and clear the, uh, do reconciliation to clear, clear the land. And then it was done. And so sometimes there are, there are reasons why some things cannot be cleared and they require deep deep healing and um, deep forgiveness and, and uh, acknowledgement and responsibility. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned this as well. This leads me on to another thing that I wanted to ask. You mentioned when you was uh, given us your story that uh, ancestral trauma and stuff that's happened in your family lineage. So can you just touch on that a little bit and how that can affect people and what they can potentially do to, clear out any kind of ancestral trauma or ancestral pain that's holding them back from right. progressing it on this plane or this dimension. Right. So almost all of us, and I would say probably all of us have ancestral karma. Uh, ancestral karma is really your ancestors who have made uh, very specific decisions that have caused harm to them and their family members. And, and tr the truth is, is when we cr create harm, we create harm in, in all directions. And so we can get quite enslaved in our own actions. And we can get, basically it's like falling into a pit. And so what happens is, for example, on a practical, kind of like to give you a good example of what can happen to a person. Um, my mother, she came from a family where she was like one of nine children. And my grandmother, 
she um, lost her husband when my mom was two years old. And so she was in the middle of nowhere living in Newfoundland. It was boat access only and, uh, you know, this uh, late spring, summer, early fall access only to this region. There's like no, you couldn't grow any plants there or anything like that. So they lived off of, of fish, salt fish, salt beef and potatoes. There were no pharmacies, no doctors, no nurses, no grocery stores, nothing. There was, the only thing they had was a schoolhouse. And my grandmother ran a little postal office, which was open only when they had that boat access. And um, so if they got hurt, if they got cut, if there was any type of injury, they literally could die. There's no, no help. And so if my, my uncles and, and aunts and my mom got hurt, what happened when my grandmother would get super fearful and she would start to beat the boys or scream at the, the girls to frighten them to, from doing anything extreme that might get them hurt and where they would die because she had already lost her husband and here she has you know, nine children to tend to herself. So when I was growing up, if I hurt myself, I, I remember the first time I ran to my mom and she started to scream at me. She didn't hug me or anything. She's just screaming at me for getting hurt. And I was so confused. And, and this is very important. Every, anytime you feel confused, it creates an emotional conflict because the mind doesn't understand what's going on. So the mind starts to create lies. Like there's something wrong with me that my mom's not hugging me. She doesn't love me or, you know, or there's something wrong with her or whatever. The mind just starts to create these, these lies to fill in the blanks. And so I knew I couldn't go to my mother for anything, nothing emotional, nothing physical, never ever approach her for help for, in any way. That was the, the belief that I had, that I was alone and I had to figure everything out myself. Now, when I, I didn't know what had happened to my mom or my uncles and aunts, but when I was older and I started to do this really deep transformational work with people, my mom had um, a serious problem with her lungs. She had COPD and she had 10% functioning of her lungs and she was about to die. And so as a kind of a Hail Mary uh, uh, situation, she came to me and said, can you work with me to clear whatever's going on in my lungs? And I said, sure, here's some assessments, fill them out and get them back to me. And I was shocked at what my mom shared with me about um, traumas, secrets from the family, secrets from her life, things that had happened to her, the things she had done. She was like fully told me the truth. And I shouldn't say fully, I know she gave me about 90%. Because uh, I know some other stuff that my mom doesn't know that I know. <laughs> but um, so in that process, what happened is that she um, disclosed this information to me. And as I read it, I was like, that's why I have that belief. That's why I think that way. That's why I feel this way. And I was like, floored. Because we don't know what our traumas our parents have gone through. They will keep that stuff hidden from us. We don't know what traumas our grandparents have gone through for the most part. And so even though I knew this information, even though I knew I'd also done some work with two of my uncles and they you know, disclosed some information to me about their traumas and, and especially around my grandmother um, beating them and stuff like that around getting hurt. When I had my own child, I was surprised, even though I was consciously aware of these patterns, when my son would fall down, I would go into a contracted state and anger and fear would fire. 
I wouldn't want it to. And I'd go to him and I'd be like, I need to hug him and tell him he's safe. I'm here for you. And I would do that. But at the same time, these, the energies would fire. And so what happened is after some time, when my son would start to run, I would go, the fear and the, and the anger would fire. And my, then my son would fall down. And my ex said to me, why is, why is our son's knees all bloody all the time whenever he, he's with you? And I said, well, doesn't he fall down when he's with you? And he's like, no. And then I started to realize I was programming my son to injure himself mm. just from my thought and my emotion. Yeah. It was so strong. And then it really hit home one day when my son fell down, scraped his knees, turned around and said, sorry, mommy, sorry. Like he, like he had been doing something wrong that had been triggering me to be angry. And then I went, that's it. I have to, to shift this. Like, even though I know this, is something that happened to me when I was young um, because my mother went through the same trauma, even though I consciously know this and I'm consciously hugging my son and telling him I'm here for you and I love you. Energetically, I was still imprinting him with this energy, this information. This is ancestral trauma, just being passed down, even though my actions are different. And so, um, you know, I, I had to shift it. And there's lots of other examples I can give you that I didn't even know stuff that's unresolved within me until I had a child and went through a certain developmental stage. And then all of a sudden, an energy showing up that was programmed in me when I was a child. And so now I know how to clear those things. And I teach people how to clear those things because you can come and work with a therapist. That's great. And you should really find someone to help clear the most potent things. But then you have all these little things and you can't necessarily spend all your time going to therapy. In the moment, it's really important for you to, to go, okay, well, I know how, now I know I have the tools. You can go in and I can clear that on my own and release it, bring in illumination to that, to that lie that's been plaguing my ancestors. So now what happens is when you clear it, you're not just clearing it for yourself. You're clearing it for your children, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and also for your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents up the line. And so... One of the most important things, and, and I'm giving you a small example of something, but there's lots of things like sexual abuse, physical and emotional abuse. Um, some of the most insidious things that get passed on from generation to generation is the belief that you're not good enough, that people are gonna reject you, that you are absolutely alone, um, that uh, you have to behave a particular way or you will be rejected by society or others. And this one is very harsh, especially right now. There's a lot of stuff going on right now that we've, a lot of us have been programmed to be good boys and girls. And we either go into being good boys and girls, what we think is good boys and girls, or we go into being rebellious. And being rebellious is, the, is just as bad as being a good boy or a good girl, because it's just the flip side of the same coin. Where we actually, and I'm inviting people to be in a place of true freedom and true sovereignty where you don't have the lies um, creating false, uh, I would say, missions and visions and goals in your life. Um, because everything that you've been told, everything that's happened to you is actually influencing the direction of your life. And if your direction is going into a place based on a lie that you're not good enough or based on a lie that there's something wrong with you, even though you're 
attempting to achieve amazing success. Whatever it is you're attempting to achieve is gonna be for the wrong reasons. And so you can be absolutely misaligned in what you consider success. And I've had a lot of people come to me and they're like, oh, I wanna make, make sure I have like $5 million in my bank account you know, within eight years. And I'm like, okay, that's great. You may not be your goal at the end of this session. I'm <laughs> just letting you know, yeah, because when you yeah. clear the lie, then all of a sudden you're, you are at home with truth within yourself. And then, then you can make plans. But if, if you're wanting to um, ensure that you're accepted by having a lot of money, then that's going to be your goal. And once you get that money, you're going to realize, oh, wow, I'm not really accepted within my own self just because I have $5 million in my bank account. And so then, and then what? And we have these examples of people in society, basketball players, as an example, actors, singers, where they think, you know, if I just get an Academy Award, I'll be acceptable. People will love me, I'll be respected. And then they get it. And then they feel this hollowness within themselves, like, wow, that didn't help at all. Like now I'm just back at square one. Now what? I've already attained to that. What else can I attain to? They may have another goal or they may go, well, that was the ultimate. And now there's nothing to attain to. And then deep depression sets in. Mm. And so we can have someone like Amy Winehouse, who, who is incredible, talented singer. And no matter how many awards or praise she received, she, it just made her realize they don't really know me. Like that's all bullshit. Like they don't know how, how shitty I am. And it just reinforced her belief that she's not good enough and that people have no clue who she really is. And it was a, a really harsh thing for her and, and made her spiral down because she, she saw through the illusion of, of what was going on around that praise. But what she didn't see was the illusion of the lies that she was telling herself. And because she was so focused on everybody else's lies and not her own lies, she, she really believed her lies to be true as do most people so much. So I have people come to me all the time and, and uh, one of the, the greatest problems that I, I notice that people have within themselves is the fear of rejection. It's the greatest lie that people tell themselves. And that fear of rejection has everything to do with the fear of being alone and the very fear of rejection, the mind creates circumstances to ensure that person is alone so the very thing they don't want the mind ensures they get and that's the that's the crazy thing about about any type of fear is that if you allow it to reside if you believe it to be true you will you will get the very thing you don't want so it's very important for you to believe in a story of truth a story of love a story of freedom a story of success and, and not blindly, but from a place of recognizing, maybe I don't know what this fear is all about. And it doesn't feel good to believe in it. And so I'm going to choose a path. And this choice is so important here. I'm going to choose a path that nourishes me, that encourages me, that celebrates me. And I'm going to be my best cheerleader. Because there's nobody else who can do it for you, not one person. Yeah. Um... I know we're, we're over the Atlantic Ocean away from each other and we're speaking through a screen, but I, f I, felt, I felt something there and that last piece that you, that, you, that you were saying 
from a from a personal perspective so whether you're picking up on some stuff or you're reading me I don't know you can tell me that but there's there's a few things that really like touch me inside and uh on an emotional level there definitely and I can 100% say to people that are listening to this that it is good to carve out your own path and find yourself on the deepest level on the deepest spiritual level because if you're constantly chasing what you believe to be what society thinks or what you've seen or what you've been programmed, then you're not really being true to yourself and being the ultimate version of yourself. So I can vouch for that. And it's interesting what you said about, um, about it was in relation to chasing something, but that happened to myself and my wife uh, just a couple of years ago. We said, when we get to this point, everything will be okay and everything will be rosy. And, like there was going to be some huge change in our life. And we got to this point and this thing happened, what most people or, or what we considered to be a quote unquote big thing. And we got there and was like, Oh, is this it? Because it wasn't really the thing that was defining our purpose and our journey. It was just something that we thought was going to solve all of our problems, so to speak. And it, and it doesn't work like that. So what I've found the last couple of years is just, going within myself and being at peace with myself and being at one with myself is the best way for me to move forward. And the things that I thought I want or wanted, I don't necessarily want them now. And the things that maybe I didn't think I want are the things that I hold truest to me. A lot of the things that you speak about and through the brief listening that I've done to your videos and reading on your website is, is the love is the peace with yourself is tranquility. And they're the things that mean the most to me now. Whereas before, maybe three, four, five years ago, I was like, right, it's the money, it's the success, it's all that kind of stuff. And they're, they're not the most important things in life. That's right. And the, I'm going to open some people's minds about something right now that is, uh, is, is really coming through as you're speaking about this. Because just like you said, it's like I'm speaking to you. And it's true. When I have, um, when I'm before somebody, I, I am an open channel and whatever it is they most need to hear come through at that time. Yeah. And it's pro probably that there are people who are listening that are, and are, who are going to listen, who will experience that same thing where they'll be like, wow, like she's speaking right to me because it is absolutely designed by the divine how and what comes through me because I am so open and I let go and I open to what's, what a lot of people are fearful to, to open to, and that is the unknown. I, you know, come to this interview absolutely unprepared because it's none of my business what comes through in a, in a given moment. And so I just sit here and allow whatever needs to be said to be said for the highest good and greatest joy of anyone who's listening to it. Mm -hmm. And so it is it's actually by design will open people because of that, because it will be precisely those who will listen collectively and individually they'll hear exactly what they need to hear and so now because of what you've shared and this is the beauty of it and this is this is where we're co-creating as you share that place of your own experience what's coming through right now is a very profound teaching about what what i call the illusion and so i'm going to share this with with everyone who's listening so we are born into this existence and this existence is relatively real. It's the creation of the divine. Everything is the divine, but there is a, 
there is something that exists that, that I refer to as the illusion, where Buddhists call Maya, uh, Christians may call um, more like, like a satanic realm or something like that, not to frighten anybody out there or whatever, but there is um, a coexistence and there is a great field of energy out there that is doing everything it can to ensure that you stay enslaved into a, um, your ancestral karma. And, your, and when I say karma, karma doesn't have to be negative or anything like that, but it, the illusion wants you to stay in the lies. It wants all of society to stay in the lies. And so what happens is when you are born into existence, you actually are born as full embodiment of love. And you, in most, most cases, we're talking like 99% of the, of the cases, there's a few times when that's not true. There, there actually, someone is born with a huge amount of conflict within them. But when you're born, although you come with some past life um, karma, for the most part, you are born with incredible embodiment. You are true embodiment of love and connection. And this is why when you like hold a baby, people fall in love with that baby, like almost immediately because they're radiating love. Same with puppies and kittens. And, and when people are first born, they haven't received the programming of this life yet. And so it's like incredible to be around, you know, newborn babies or, or children, especially when they laugh, like it's, it's so infectious in such a delightful way. And so, as they start to uh, learn from their parents and their siblings and teachers, the media, society, religion, wh whatever, whatever the influence is in their immediate life, what happens is they start to experience a conflict with truth. So the illusion comes in and basically says, no, no, love, love and connection don't exist here. And so then that child goes, but it always exists. So if it doesn't exist, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And that's where the, the foundational lie begins. Like it's my fault that connection isn't here. It's my fault that love isn't here. And so then they start, that's the lie that they start to tell. The, the most powerful and potent lies that the illusion can, can try to convince you in of is that you are at fault or wrong, or not good enough for love. And when you believe that lie, it's not somebody telling you that lie, it's you actually creating that lie. And because you've created it, you have to uncreate it. There's nobody that can uncreate it for you. Like I can take people through a process and I can take you to that moment for you to uncreate it. But you have to be the one that uncreates the lie because you were the one that created it, because you were such a powerful being, because you can banish entities, because you can change reality, you set the program. So you have to undo the program. Hmm. And what happens is the illusion comes in and you can, you can go into life and you could be like, oh, okay, well, maybe I was wrong about that thing before. Maybe I am lovable. And then all of a sudden the illusion is like, oh, oh, wait, 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 this person's like coming back into their power and they bring in a it brings in a circumstance that now reinforces that you're not good enough, reinforces that you're rejectable. And then you, then you like harden into that false illusion and, and lie again. 
and it takes about three times for it to be really become very solid where and where you go into complete forgetting and then you live from that place and you radiate your energy out from that place so you may go into the world being not even conscious that you fear rejection but all everyone around you is rejecting you and you're like i don't know why what's wrong with me and i can't trust anybody you might even project it upon them like i can't trust anybody like everybody's an a-hole or whatever and and so then that just reinforces it even more and the truth is is that everything that happens to us happens to us because we have asked for it and we've asked for it because we've set certain programs in our life and some of those programs have been set from past lives and so some people have said to me, well, that sounds like it's absurd and it can't be true if somebody's born into slavery or born into poverty. And it's like, if you understand ancestral karma, if you understand karma, if you understand that people come in to burn off karma on purpose and be born in these circumstances, then you'll understand why people are born in these circumstances. However, we have an opportunity, even though we have had ancestral karma and our own personal karma, and collective karma that today right here and right now we have the opportunity to reconcile our karma and one of the easiest and fastest ways to heal karma is to take responsibility and ask for forgiveness it is the technology and i call it a technology because it's a spiritual technology that God has imprinted, the divine Allah has imprinted in all religious forms. Forgiveness. It is not something that's small. Now, forgiveness is not from a place of forgiving blindly. It's from a place of understanding that everyone who causes harm is causing harm because they are lost in the illusion. And if we can have compassion that they are lost in a dark forest, then instead of us getting lost with them by fighting with them or making them wrong in some way or making ourselves wrong in some way, if we can stay in the power of ourselves, if we can stay in the power of peace, the present moment awareness, allowing the wisdom of compassion, which is understanding where suffering truly comes from, then it becomes automatic to forgive. Even in the moment, someone's like cursing you out, you can be in forgiveness. But more importantly, to go in and ask for forgiveness for any and all harm you've caused anyone in this lifetime or any other lifetime. Whether you believe in other lifetimes or not, it doesn't matter. Let's just say, as a, like, a, like an, a, an insurance policy, you, you ask God, forgive me for any and all suffering I've caused anyone in this lifetime or any other lifetime. Reveal to me what I need to know and take responsibility for so I can do it, so that I can heal myself and heal the world. And I, I share with people um, a process in my book called The Flower of Heaven, which is a more detailed process of what's called Ho'oponopono. So a lot of people may be familiar with Ho'oponopono. It's a, a, an act of forgiveness prayer. Um, the way that it's taught now is, is a very condensed version of a 12-step process. However, uh, I've actually created a four-step process that God has guided me to do where you basically ask for forgiveness from the person, you forgive the person, you ask for forgiveness for God for what you've done, and you tell God that you are canceling any and all debt that that person owes you. And so this is forgiveness where we cancel each other's debts. We ask God to cancel our debt and we, we tell God, I choose to 
release that person from any and all debt. I choose to cancel that debt. Whatever they owe me, I erase. I choose to free them. And in doing so, what happens is we collectively then start to cancel um, all of this karma. And it's a type of jubilee where we actually can, can come to a place where everything's of balance. And this is uh, one other thing that's coming through right now, which is really beautiful. God is the accountant of existence. And God loves all of us equally. And karma is, is a program God has set to ensure the equality of each of us. Because God wants to make sure, God's not like a parent that says, oh, that, like, let's say there's like two siblings fighting and God takes preference of one or the other. That doesn't happen. God's like, no, no. It's going to be absolutely to the, you know, like infinite decimal points equality for all of you. And so that's why karma exists. It's not God punishing us. It's God making sure that if you take from somebody else, it's going to be uh, given back to them. And if someone takes from you, it's going to be given back to you because God absolutely 100% loves all of us equally. Now, here's the thing. For us to be able to come into equality, true equality and freedom and sovereignty collectively, that means we have work to do because we are the ones who have made the mistakes. We've used our free will to rape, to uh, murder, to steal, to speak poorly about people, to speak poorly about ourselves, to uh, pollute the earth, to do a whole bunch of crazy things, to manufacture things that are like an abomination to existence and all these things. So we have a responsibility to stand up for freedom. We have a responsibility to stand up for equality. And when we enact equality for every other person we encounter, then our mind listens to that program and ensures our own equality. If we stand up, in a loving way for someone, our mind hears that program and will ensure we stand up for ourselves in a loving way. Because anything we do to somebody else programs our own mind to do that for ourselves. So if we reject somebody, we actually are telling our minds that we can be rejectable. Mm -hmm. And so when you say, no, I'm going to be inclusive, I'm going to be loving, unconditionally loving to the world, the mind is like, all right, and that you're included in that world. And then all of a sudden, you, you, there's no negative thoughts about yourself. All of a sudden, you are experiencing this incredible peace. All of a sudden, there's no anxiety. All of a sudden, there's no depression. Because the mind is in a place of loving you unconditionally, like ensuring that you are loved unconditionally. So I know I've, <laughs> I've covered no, no. a whole bunch of things there. But... Amazing. Amazing. And just... I was just engrossed by it all. So if you could have you could have carried on going, it's it's absolutely no problem. Um there's there's something and I don't know whether this is just coming from my own place, but I'm gonna ask the question anyway. But when you get to this point when you are unconditionally loving and when you're pr practicing forgiveness and when you're in that state of of you could say bliss and complete peace and tranquility, do does the 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 factor of maybe getting taken advantage of or getting walked over does that kind of dissipate um are you again right. quote unquote immune to that or, because the 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 balance and that i think of it and the maybe the libra scales or the the line i have with it is it's like where do you not get taken advantage of and get walked all over 
So to be in a place, yeah. So to, this is important. So to be in a place of of uh, of feeling empowered, be, truly being empowered. What happens is when you ensure the equality of other people, you you are also included in that. So you ensure you and you maintain it because, and it's easy for you to maintain it because you see yourself as an equal, not as less than somebody, not like there's a hierarchy and you're at the bottom or something like that. However, what I can say is this, there's actually a few things that are coming through. One is when you are free of the influence of, of anyone, and this is one of the foundational things that I teach people. I highly recommend like read my, my book, the flower of heaven. Um, there is a, a beautiful teaching that I offer my clients called Freedom from Influence, where I teach them how to be free of the influence of things. But I actually detail it in my book, too. So you can you know, just get the book and, and read through it. If you want to do the practice with me, then, then let me know and I'll, I'll help you out there. But freedom from influence is a, is, a, is a state of consciousness where it doesn't matter what anybody's doing. It doesn't matter what anybody's saying. It doesn't matter what the world's doing. It doesn't matter what world leaders are doing. To be able to be in the power of yourself 100% of the time, you will ensure that nobody walks over you. Mm. You will ensure that you are respected you, because you respect yourself 100%. And so, and when you're in a place of peace, it's not like you're re reacting to people. You're, you're actually able to respond in, in a way that's skillful, in a way that's peaceful, in a way that is effective. And so if you take a look at somebody like Martin Luther King, or um, someone like Gandhi, or somebody like um, Mother Teresa even, or all of these people who have, and there's lots of other people in the world who have incredible embodiments. Um, when they walk through life, you can tell they're just not affected by things. They go into a situation and they know exactly how to be there. And, and that's what's going on. You know, Mother Teresa, when she, when she went in to, to do her work, she was so clear about her equality and the equality of everyone that she encountered that she could easily be with someone who had, you know, was covered in sores, who was covered with disease, and she could kiss them and hold their hand and understand that they were equal in the eyes of God to her. And, and, and in that place, she's not being taken advantage of. She's in a place of power, right? And with Martin Luther King, when he would stand up to speak, that man, he was one of the, the greatest orators. He would just stand up and incredible eloquence would come through him because he's in that moment in the power of himself. Nobody is stepping over him. Nobody's, now it doesn't mean that people aren't gonna come in and try and take people out because we've seen that with John Lennon, we've seen that with Martin Luther King and other powerful people. That's the illusion making us believe, trying to scare the rest of us. You stand up in your own power, you're going to be taken out. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is we are eternal and stainless, nameless, holy divinity. And it, it doesn't matter if we are, you know, murdered in this life or assassinated in this life or we die in this life because we go on. And this existence is, is one aspect of what we experience. And it's temporary because we are all on course for what I call ascension, the return to the divine and our holy divinity. And so there's nothing that's gonna stop that. It may, we may take our time getting there, but we're all on course for that. And more and more people are awakening to their Buddhahood, to their Christhood, to the power of who they are. 
and more and more people are guiding people to, to open on that ascension path of, of true enlightenment, where, where they, you know, not only do it, are experiencing it for themselves, but they're doing it for other people. And that's the, one of the greatest gifts is when you are of absolute service in awakening people and freeing people, feeding people, giving people clean drinking water, cleaning up this earth, when you're in service in those ways, that is um, what I call uh, love activism. And when you're in service, you are at the feet of everyone else. But the secret to that is, is one of the most powerful positions to be in. Because when you're at the feet in service in that way, still in the power of yourself, understanding you are absolutely equal to everybody you are at the feet of, you are blessed with incredible blessings from the divine. Your consciousness expands, you understand truth, you, your heart opens in such powerful, beautiful ways that your, your spiritual wealth increases moment by moment. And the beautiful thing is the more that your spiritual wealth increases, the more you give it away. Mm. Because you understand everyone is you. And when you're at the feet of your brother or sister, you're at your own feet. And, and so there's a, there's, there can be situations, there's a lot of people that go into um, service from a different place where they, they think they do it from a place of guilt. And that's where people get into to issue. They're like, well, I'm, this person has less than me. I feel so bad. I've got so much more. And like, I have to, they kind of give it away. Or uh, I'm not worthy to exist in the first place. So I'm going to like go and serve in all these people and do all this stuff because um, I have to justify existence. But the thing is, is none of, none of you, not any of you have to justify living in this life. You could do nothing and God would still love you no matter what. You could do nothing and you would still be worthy of this life. And so to really understand that when you serve others, when you're in a place of, of opening your heart, it's always from a place of first and foremost being fully present within yourself, free of lies and free of the illusion. And when you're in that place, you'll know exactly how to love your brothers and sisters and how to be in relationship with them that maintains what I call the sacred balance, which is maintaining the equality of yourself within the, the wisdom of the equality of all of us. Amazing. Love it. I wish we had 10 more hours. <laughs> I do because this is just, this is amazing. But I am conscious of the time, but I think if you're open to it, we should definitely do a, another one and maybe go on one of these topics a bit harder or see, again, see what comes up. But I, I mean, just, yeah, everything you said, I just, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in there. I'm in there with you. <laughs> um, let's just, what I like to do on I mean, there's so much that the listeners will take away from this anyway. Or I'd like to think there is, and I'd like to hope there is. But um, could we just, could you just say to the people listening that have, have made it this far, if they wrap this up now, stop listening, maybe two or three things that they can do immediately that's going to take them into a, the, this state or the, the feelings that we've been speaking about on this on this podcast episode so you've mentioned forgiveness which i think is a huge one but are there any other techniques that they can put into practice or or things they can use to their advantage straight away i think the biggest one is to, to you know speaking about forgiveness is forgive yourself 
Like you've, you've made lots of mistakes in your life and it's okay. It's absolutely okay. Um, if you come to a place of, of responsibility to be able to trust that the divine forgives you. If you take responsibility and say, you know what? Yeah, yes, I've made all those mistakes and take them all to the divine. Whatever you are consciously aware of, take them to the divine and say, I'm so sorry. Like I've made these mistakes. And it could be things like, and, and I know, because I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made so many mistakes. I make mistakes even now, even though I have an enlightened consciousness, there, you have to understand as enlightened as somebody may be, they're given more. I'm given way more responsibility than, than somebody who's unconscious. And in give, being given that responsibility, there's a, there are certain, I don't want to say expectations because they're not expected. But for me to go even higher now, as you, as you go up higher, you kind of get this, um, it's almost like the pressure to keep you down is greater because you're so close. And so because of that, I have to be keenly aware of precisely the things I say to another human being because the karma of me having the power that I have, the karma of me saying something to someone and programming them is greater than if somebody says, else says the same thing to another person because they may not have the power that I have to influence. And so I have to be really mindful of what I say. I have to be very mindful of, of how I act. I have to be very mindful of what I think because, and, I, and maybe in, in another talk, I can tell you about this incredible story of manifestation where I realized, oh my gosh, I am so powerful. And I got what I had asked for, but I didn't even want that. And now I have to live through the repercussions of what I created because I, I created that. So I'll, I'll, that's kind of a little hint for, for another yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yes, the main thing is getting into a place of, of even though we all make mistakes and we're all going to continue to make mistakes, to understand everybody does and to ask God to forgive the mistakes you've made against your own self. And then the next stage, of course, is to receive forgiveness because it's one thing to ask but if you actually don't allow God to forgive you then what's the point so allow God to forgive you and when I say God I am talking about that which created all of us and and I never used to use the word God before um, I always use the word divine or the creator and uh, it was God who actually mentored me to use the word God when I transcribed a book from God called play well and before that, I always said the divine and, and God was like, that's it. You're transcribing a book for me and you're going and God showed me the, the cover of it. And it was called play well, period. And the author was God. And I was like, Ooh, I have some resistance to writing, you know, to having that on the, the cover of the book. And, and so I had to really let go and allow God, even then when I was transcribing the book to, to write whatever God was writing and for me to be in full acceptance of each and every word that was coming through. And so it, that transformed me too. And so to, to be in a surrender place with God and to allow God to forgive you and, and guide you. Um, and then when you receive that forgiveness, surrender to God and say, you know what? I, I choose your path, like for me, and I choose your wisdom and I choose to receive your blessings and your grace because God has so many blessings for us. I am so blessed. I'm so fortunate. And it's because I keep saying yes. Like every day I'm like, God, please. I say yes to your blessings. 
known and unknown, just, you know, and I open to them. And so allow yourself to, to receive the blessings of God, regardless of what you've ever done in the past. And when I say I've made mistakes, I've like made mistakes against my own body, against my own mind. Um, I've hurt people. I've hurt myself. I've, um, you know, done a lot of things that I wasn't proud of and that I know I am forgiven for. And I remember one time recently, I think it was just about a year ago, I went to God and I was like, God, just please forgive me for everything I've ever done. And God's like, enough. You've asked me like so many times to forgive you for all these things. I've forgiven you the first time. Like, stop asking me for these things <laughs> and, and really just accept it. And I went, oh yeah, you're right. I have. Like, <laughs> and so to really be truly, truly accepting, it doesn't mean you won't make mistakes the next day. Then you can ask God to forgive you for those mistakes, but to, to be really in a place of, of, of then improving and, and making different decisions for your life that bring you into harmony with yourself and peace within yourself. Because the greatest gift you can give someone and the greatest gift you can give humanity is to be the embodiment of love and peace. Mm. Definitely. And I'll, I'll teach your listeners freedom from influence the next time we meet. Yeah. It'll be a very powerful teaching. Amazing. Can you um, just end the show with a favorite quote? And this could be one of your own, one from God, one from whoever. Just finish the show with a, with a quote because we always add my podcast with a favorite quote. Okay, let me see. So this is a quote from the flower of heaven. This is actually, this is a, is a transcribed, this is the word of God. So who best other than God to, to uh, share a quote from? So God writes, God is the author of love. If you want to love yourself or your brothers and sisters, go to the master of love and request that you be mentored. Let your love for yourself for your brothers and sisters of the world, redeem all past transgressions. Ask the divine to guide you and instruct you in what love would do in all circumstances. If you go into any negativity, ask for loving mentorship. Choose peace, invoke the peace of love. Thank you, God. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Tara. I love that. Thanks for your time. It's such a blessing, such an honor. I look forward to sharing more. Thank you. Okay, take care. Much love to all of you. That's a wrap on another episode of the Kinetic Fitness Show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. Until next time, peace and love. <laughs>